Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is, no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us on this Wednesday. We are all awaiting the decision from the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. Maybe it will come today. You, you just don't know. I would assume that it's going to have to come relatively soon because if, as I expect and predict, the court rules that the governor does not have the unlimited authority through his unappointed, uh, his unconfirmed, unelected health secretary to essentially lock down the state of Wisconsin forever and impose well, essentially criminal penalties on people who violate her order. And I, I don't I just don't think the Supreme Court's going to buy that. And I had a chance to review a, a good portion of the argument yesterday. And again, it's it's a it's a legal issue. It has nothing to do with okay, do you agree with Governor Evers safer at home order or not? It is a legal issue about whether or not the governor has the authority to do this. The legislature and it's very clear to me, the legislature says the governor has emergency powers and he can put in an emergency order for 30 days and through the health secretary they can you know put all these limitations on and then you can extend that order for another 30 days but it's not an unlimited power after 60 days you have the governor that then has to go to the legislature and there's a whole rulemaking process that kicks in, which if you think about it, makes eminent sense. I mean, we do not have kings in this country. I think President Trump forgets that sometimes. President Obama forgot it sometimes. And Governor Evers forgets it on occasion as well. He did it before when he decided that I'm going to cancel the election, even though I don't have the authority to do it. This is the same sort of thing. After 60 days, the governor, at least in my opinion, loses the exclusive power to put in these orders. And that's what the issue is all about. To rule otherwise would essentially mean that you could say the Department of the Secretary of Health could, I don't know, keep you quarantined, keep you confined for essentially forever if they chose to do that. And that makes no sense to me. So I do expect that this is going to get um, overturned. Then what happens is it means that over the next couple of days, the legislature and the governor have to agree on you know what the next step is going to be. And if the governor's smart, I think it's going to be regional reopening of the state along the lines of what a number of members of the business community and the legislature are pushing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And it is entirely possible in the course of the next couple hours that decision could come out. So we are going to be watching that. We will be discussing that as well. Now, here's one of the interesting things that's happened since the COVID-19 uh, pandemic has hit. 
essentially the, the court system has shut down a, as well. Now that they're still, they have hearings from time to time, and judges are working from home. The Supreme Court argument was held uh, again via video conference. I mean, they weren't in the Supreme Court chambers; they were at various locations, and they all did it through the Zoom technology. The people that were arguing the case in front of the Supreme Court justices, they were, you know, at remote locations as well. So the idea of showing up into courts. And, and participating in hearings does not happen much at all. Now, there are still certain crimes that you, you have to have hearings for. You know, you have somebody who, I don't know, murdered their girlfriend and then took shots at police officers like happened yesterday. All right, well, that person has to have a hearing. You can't just turn them loose. But one of the things that has been happening locally, statewide, and across the country is that authorities, and I'm talking about in general, ranging from the police to the district attorney's offices to the court system, they have been doing everything they can collectively not to put people in jail, whether you're um, awaiting trial or whether you're awaiting bail or whatever. And the concern is, look, we, we don't want to put people behind bars because if you look at where coronavirus is spreading the most, for example, in Wisconsin, it's the meatpacking plant, and it's the jails, and it's the nursing homes. I mean, that's where you have a lot of the problem. So, okay, let's try to avoid thinking is let's try to avoid putting people in, in jail. And so as a result of this, people who would normally be getting cash bail, uh, they're, they're not. And I, I could give you some anecdotal stories. I know one case where you have a guy that was on the Internet making threats of violence. Um, so bad that he ended up getting arrested. He ended up getting charged with a felony, gets let out, and then he continues to make the threats. And then, you know, he's still out. They, they just refuse to lock the guy up because, well, you know, until you actually kill somebody, I guess we don't want to put you behind bars. So my point is it is very difficult. It is very difficult. you got to work really hard right now to get yourself incarcerated. That is just the reality. Not saying it might not happen later on down the line, but right now you've got to work really hard to get incarcerated. Which brings me to the story of a woman who managed to get herself incarcerated. Um, she is the, her name is Shelley Luther. And is Shelley Luther a bank robber? No, no, she's not a bank robber. Is she a murderer? No, 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 she's, she's not a murderer. Is she a drug dealer? No, 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 she's, she's not a drug dealer. Who is Shelley Luther? Shelley Luther is a hairdresser. So here's the deal. Shelley Luther runs a hair salon in Dallas, Texas. Now, Dallas, Texas, under the governor's order, now this goes back about a month because they've just changed it, but hair salons were closed by the order of the governor, just like Governor Evers has ordered hair salons here closed. And Shelley Luther, she kept her house, she kept her salon closed for several weeks. And then she opened it up. Now, why did she open it up? Well, she says, I, I, just, I was going bankrupt. I was going broke. She said, I applied for a federal loan to help small businesses. I didn't get that. Couldn't feed my family. The people that worked with me couldn't feed their families. She said, this was just an absolute disaster. And so I opened up my shop. And we, we practiced it, all this social distancing, and we did all these cleanliness things, but we opened up the shop. And the authorities in Dallas came, and they closed her down. They said, you're going to be subject to a fine. She said, that's fine. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. She continued to be open. 
So they got a judge to issue a restraining order against her saying, okay, you, you know, you must close. And she said, look, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm willing to accept the consequences. I'm not going to close. So the judge would have had a lot of authority as to what to do. He could have fined her for every day that she remained open. You could have, again, put in various penalties. The judge in Dallas decided, nope, 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 I'm not going to just fine her. What I'm going to do is I'm going to order her incarcerated. So she was sentenced a day or two ago to seven days in jail for refusing to shut down her hair salon. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, in today's day and age, right now, right or wrong, you have to work to get yourself thrown into jail. In this case, this woman has been in prison, will be in prison for seven days because she was found in contempt of court for refusing to close her hair salon. Is this right? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, instead of putting her in jail, could you have just simply, okay, find her, taken away all her profits, or maybe just kind of looked the other way? But regardless, she is now in jail, will be serving a seven-day sentence. Is that right? 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess from to put it all in perspective... Right, if you've got people out there that are stealing cars, they're not going to jail right now. Making threats on the Internet against other people, they're not going to jail right now. The business owner who was trying to save her business, provide for her employees and feed her family, she's going to jail. Does that seem right to you? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, the the real irony of this woman being sent to jail is that literally about an hour before the judge held her in contempt and sent her to jail for keeping her hair salon open, the governor came out and said, hey, starting Friday, hair salons are going to be able to open as long as you follow a lot of these protocols, which the woman was following in the first place. Now, it's true. She did ignore the court's order. She's not apologetic about it. She said, hey, look, here, 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 here's the deal. i got to feed my family. i got to keep my people employed. Um, you know, all these other businesses are called essential, and, and they're allowed to stay open. Meanwhile, you know, I'm... I, I'm losing all my employees. We're, we're not able to keep open. Said, no, I'm, I'm doing this. Now, again, I don't think that you should be able to just ignore court orders. The question, though, is, all right, if we're not putting car thieves in jail, why are we putting her in jail? Shouldn't we just fine her or something like that? But what do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mike and Beloit. Mike, Mike, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi. You know, it's absolutely unconscionable. It's unconscionable that you have politicians like Lori Lightfoot, Chicago mayor, who goes out and gets a haircut while you have small business owners that are being thrown in jail for offering those haircuts. She says, I'm the public face of the city. I'm on national media and I'm out in the public eye. Well, that must mean she's so much more important than the rest of the common folk. I mean, this isn't about coronavirus anymore. This is about controlling the people, creating a two-class system of elite politicians versus everybody else. The government has no right to declare some people as essential and other people absolutely worthless. 
I could see this easily leading to a civil war. I mean, you had a security guard recently who was just shot and killed because people were trying to shop at the dollar store and they didn't want to wear a face mask. Now, that that's totally wrong and that shouldn't have happened and that was a private business and that shouldn't have happened. But there's people that are now going to be starting to fight back and they're going to do what, whatever means necessary to take back their rights. Well, th- I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, you're, you're actually your example of the mayor of Chicago is, is just a, a classic one in, in the hypo- hypocrisy of, of the ruling class. And, and you're absolutely right. For, for people who don't know that story, the, the, the mayor of Chicago, who is very, very liberal, and has been very, very aggressive with imposing lockdowns and things of the like. And, 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 and that's OK. That, that's fine. That's that's what she's doing as long as she has it within her authority to do so. But, yeah, she they, they've got all the hair salons and stuff closed down. You know, she she ended up getting her hair done. <laughs> And it's exactly right. It's like, well, I, you know, I, I need to look good. Well, okay, so, all right, you're, you're something special. Look, I understand in a situation like this where the hair salon, the woman who's running this, she is well-intentioned, but, but she is wrong to the extent that the order says you're supposed to close down. Now, maybe you can argue that the order is silly. Maybe you can order that the, argue that the order is misplaced. All that is, is fine, and, and maybe reasonable people can disagree, but the order is that you have to close down. I guess where I have the issue with this is the fact that the judge has decided, in, instead of just simply imposing a fine, which he, he did, you know, um, instead of simply imposing a fine, we're going to put the bracelets on her and we're going to send her off to jail at a time where people who are really committing crimes are being turned loose on the street, you know, right, right and left. I mean, see, that's that's the issue here. You know, and there, here's a text, Jeff. It's one of the most shameful things I've ever seen. The judge to add insult to injury gave her an out. If she publicly apologized and admitted she was selfish, he wouldn't send her to jail. It reminded me of some of the videos I've seen out of China where people are made to grovel and weep apologetically over their crimes against that state. If the video and the judge's conduct and sentence don't outrage you, I don't know how you can call yourself an American. Um, Jeff, this is absolutely ridiculous. Don't we have bigger fish to fry? Well, you know, yeah, I guess that's, that is the point. Again, was, was, the lady, was the lady wrong? Yeah, yeah. Should she have been fined? Probably. I, I think that that's probably the, the case, and that would have been a reasonable sort of thing. Now, the, the difficulty, of course, is if you're the judge, okay, yes, she, she had, had stayed open for a while, you know, after before the, the order was rescinded. But now when we're being told, okay, well, well everybody can open up on Friday, it does kind of make it silly that you're going to go out and you're going to put this lady in jail for this. And that's what my beef is. Yes, do people have to apply comply? Absolutely. But where do we end up drawing the line? And actually, this is one of the issues that kind of came out in a different way in the argument in front of the Supreme Court yesterday. All right, how much authority does the, the government have? And you have, okay, these safer at home rules and you know, we're discouraging people from, you know, making unnecessary trips or driving around. Well, how much authority does the government have? I mean, you know, do we want police being able to stop you if you decide, hey, I live in, um, I don't know, I, I live on the east side of Milwaukee, and I have my kids 
who live in Pewaukee, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drive over to to see them, and we're gonna stand outside, or actually I'm even gonna take the risk and I'm gonna go into my house. But it's not is it a necessary travel thing? No, but I'm just gonna do there. Do we want to give the government the authority to arrest you for doing that? Now I understand what this lady did was more extreme than that, and I do think there needs to be some penalties. It does strike me though as a bit ironic that you can you can commit lots of crimes nowadays, and you're not gonna get thrown into the Huskow. But you keep your hair salon open, and that's what's going to do it. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Look, some people are I'm getting lots of feedback on both sides of the issue. Some people saying, well, she shouldn't be penalized at all. And for for this, and well, she she ignored a judge's order that puts her in contempt of court. So yeah, yeah, there, there's got to be some degree of punishment with this. Then there are other people are saying, oh, just throw the book at her, you know, put her in. You can't just ignore these things. To to me, there is a balancing. And actually, when it comes to people like folks who run hair salons, they're 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 licensed by the state. I mean, the the big. The big stick that you have as the state, if you want to try to compel enforcement, is you you, you take her license away or you suspend her license. And if they decide that what she did warranted that, okay, that's fine. But all I'm saying is at the time when we are releasing dangerous people or refusing to put people who should be in jail in jail, to send this lady to jail for seven days strikes me as being absolutely, what's the word I'm looking for? Ridiculous. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right. Here, here is the story. Let me kind of back into this topic. Uh, about a week or so ago on HBO. If you have HBO, I highly recommend this movie. They uh, they premiered at the movie is called Bad Education. It stars Hugh Jackman and um, Allison Janney, probably best known for she was in Mom and she won won an Oscar for her performance as uh, the the mother of Tanya Harding in the movie. And she was in West Wing, is what people probably best know her for. She was the uh, press secretary character in in West Wing for years. But it, it's a very good movie, and it's based on it's based on a true story. And it, it happened, I think, like 2002, 2003, in a, a school district in, in Long Island. And this was a school district that ha- was very, very successful. And what had happened is the administrator and his top assistant, that was Hugh Jackman in the movie and Allison Janney, they, they had taken the school and they had brought it up. Now it was like number four in the state and all the parents were thrilled and the kids were getting into Ivy League colleges and property values in the area had been going up and going up and going up because it was a good school district and everybody wanted to live in the school district. So, you know, everyone was thrilled. All the real estate agents were great. We were, we were absolutely thrilled with what was going on and what was happening while that was going on is that the administrator and his top aide were stealing the school district blind I mean and I'm not talking about like a like a two dollar you know cup of coffee I am talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars they were embezzling money right and left and everybody was kind of looking the other way when they caught the assistant the Allison Janney character and they, they were going to refer to the police and all, 
And the administrator, who was just as crooked, he said, well, look, here, here's the problem. You know, if we go public with this, this is going to create this, this huge scandal. And what's going to happen is, you know, we're the, the property value is going to go down, our school ratings are going to go down, all these type of things. So the school board decides to look the other way. And then it comes out a few months later that the administrator is stealing millions of dollars as well. And the, the whole thing kind of falls apart. But the idea was... That you know, how could how could you get away with stealing millions and millions and millions of dollars? And as happens sometimes in private enterprise and sometimes in public enterprise, people just don't ask the right questions. People just don't look at things. And people, because especially in the public sector, you know, it's kind of taxpayer dollars. So you know, sometimes people aren't paying as close of attention. Which brings me to the story involving Packers great. Brett Favre, because this is a story that there's got to be a lot more to it, because I do not understand how this can happen. Um, there, you know, he is, of course, from Mississippi, and there is an aid. It's the Mississippi Department of Human Services, and that's essentially it's it's the anti-program stuff. They're the people who do health services and things like that and administer poverty programs in the state of Mississippi. And Lord knows there's enough poverty in the state of Mississippi. What happens is they have, and the people that have been running the agency, have apparently been, if not stealing hand over fist, they have been engaging in this most amazing misconduct and getting away for for years and years. There was finally an audit of this agency, and what they found was, wait for this, $94 million dollars in questionable spending by the agency, $94 million. Now, that's not saying it's all fraud, but there, there's a big element of that that's fraud. But here's the interesting thing for Packers fans. It turns out that this anti-poverty agency had hired Brett Favre, now through one of Favre's companies, to do three speeches, three speeches, for a total of $1.1 million. Now, there's all sorts of, you just hear that, and there's all sorts of things that that come to mind. Like, like first of all, okay, why is an agency that's really designed to, you know, administer poverty programs and things like that, what are they doing hiring prominent sports figures to give speeches, and especially given that a lot of that's with taxpayer dollars? I mean, look, I I understand. I mean, it's one thing if you have some big corporation. If if, if Northwestern Mutual is bringing 12,000 insurance agents into Milwaukee for a big event, and they want to, like they did last year, they want to hire Jimmy Buffett to perform for their agents. I get it. If they want to hire Brett Favre to come in and give some sort of motivational speech or whatever it is he does or tell stories, I, I mean, I understand that's a private sector. That's fine. But, you know, when you're talking about generally public money, why a, a, an agency that's designed for health, welfare, and administering poverty decides that it is appropriate to hire a sports personality to give speeches, three speeches for $1.1 million. That's the first thing, that even if, even if that was all you had, it would raise all sorts of eyebrows. Why in God's green earth are we hiring Brett Favre to do this? No knock on Brett Favre. You know, it could be Joe Namath. It could be anybody. Why would you spend $1.1 million doing that? All right, but the story gets even weirder because, as it turns out, he never gave any of the speeches. 
These were these were no shows. As far as anybody can tell, he never showed up to give any of the three speeches. All right, it gets even stranger because at least as far as the reports that are out there now, he didn't show up to give the speeches, and none of the money was returned. Now, I, I mean, I, I I don't know. I guess how this works in the in the milieu where you have people that are you know having you know being booked to give speeches that you pay five hundred thousand dollars for i will tell you you know for real people if you know you get hired to give a speech and you know you say okay this is what my fee is and i want the fee up front which is all perfectly reasonable and then you know you don't show for whatever reason or the event gets canceled or, or you don't show you get sick or whatever the expectation would be that you give the money back that you do not keep the money now, at least as far as the reports thus far, it appears that they kept the money. The, the money has never been returned. Now, maybe it's going to turn out that that, ha- that did, in fact, happen. But at least so far in the reports, it, it didn't happen. Now, nobody is saying that Favre is under criminal investigation for this. But at the very least, if, if you took $1.1 million for a commitment to give three speeches, were paid for that, and then didn't give the speeches, at the very least... It seems to me that the taxpayers of Mississippi are entitled to have that $1.1 million paid back. I mean, that, that at least it would seem to be at a minimum. And I have to believe that, again, if this was a private sector sort of thing, that, you know, and, and that happened. Hey, we booked Brett Favre to, you know, give the speech before the Northwestern Mutual agents. And, you know, unfortunately he got sick or there was bad weather or whatever and he couldn't do it. Well, you'd expect the money to come back. And you'd think that you'd have some comptroller or somebody saying, okay, you, you got to pay the money back. And if you don't pay the money back, you end up getting sued for the money that you've been paid because you didn't follow through on your obligation. So this whole thing just stinks to high heaven. And if it doesn't, I guess the big question is, where do the rest of us go to get this kind of job where you can be paid $1.1 million for giving speeches that you don't give? A lot of questions, don't know what the answers are, but my guess is it's going to get even uglier than it already is. All right, when we come back, President Trump gives an interview yesterday on ABC News. We will discuss, and I will give you an opportunity to react to what he said. Some people are outraged. Are you? We discuss in just a moment. Uh, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's simply known as the Pink Bat Game. With his mom, Fergie, in attendance, Bill Hall picked up a pink bat and slugged a walk-off home run, sending the Mother's Day Miller Park crowd home happy. Tune in this evening. 6 o'clock, as Bob Euchre calls our next Brewers Classic. Brewers Classic, sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Previa, Badger Mutual, Chevrolet, and West Bend Insurance. Okay, so yesterday, President Trump does a one-on-one sit-down with um, ABC News, World News Tonight, anchor and managing editor David Muir, who, by the way, I I think of the different anchors and stuff, I I think he does a a good job, I I do, uh, of the national news casts that that's the one i'm going to watch as opposed to some of the the others so i think he does a reasonably good job but they sit down and, and they talk about it and what they're discussing is the fact that we are now starting to relax restrictions on the shelter at home the safer at home whatever you want to call it we're starting to open up the country. Some areas are opening up faster than others but we're starting to open it up and so um the question is okay mr president Do you believe that the reality we're facing 
is that as we reopen the country, some lives are going to be lost. Right? That, that's the question. As, as we release these, is it possible that some lives are going to be lost? To which he says, well, yeah. He says it's possible there will be some deaths as we start to you know, roll back. But it's the choice the country faces to reopen and jumpstart the economy. Will some people be affected? Yes. Will some people be affected badly? Yes. But we have to get our country open, and we have to get it open soon. So, you know, he acknowledges, he says, yes, you know, there's going to be some people who are going to be affected badly by this. And and yes, as we start to reopen the country, right, some people are are going to be exposed to COVID-19 and some people will die. That's what he says. Of course, the, you know, the headline is, you know, Trump says it's possible there will be some COVID-19 deaths as the country reopens. And Twitter goes nuts yesterday with people saying, oh, you know, look, this president just doesn't care. And here he's acknowledging that he is engaging and encouraging this behavior that could lead to the loss of some lives. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I think, and I watched this interview yesterday, I think President Trump, does he deserve to be criticized for for what he said? By acknowledging that by opening up the quarantine, by letting more people get out and about, it is inevitable that, yes, more people might get corona COVID-19, and yes, some more people might die, some people might be affected badly. All right, is that insensitive? Is that unreasonable? Is that a justification for saying, okay, we're, we're not going to reopen the country? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, to me, and please feel free to disagree, this this isn't, you, you can argue that, that President Trump is tone deaf on all sorts of different things. You can argue that he was slow to respond to this. You can argue that his combative nature with the press makes things worse. At the same time, I don't know that it's fair to criticize him for this interview yesterday. And I don't know that this means that he is callous or uncaring. There is a balancing. Now, if we want to guarantee that nobody is going to be exposed to COVID-19, what we would do is we would shut down the entire country. We, we wouldn't have essential businesses and non-essential businesses. We would shut down the entire country, and we would make it illegal for anybody to go outside. And that, that's what we would do until we develop a vaccine a year from now, two years from now, four years from now, and then we would make everybody get the vaccine. I mean, that, that's what we would do. So, But that's that's not a realistic sort of thing. People have to go out to the grocery stores. People have to go out and start living their lives. And and yes, as more people go out, there is a greater risk that somebody might be exposed that they otherwise, that they wouldn't be exposed to if they sit at their house. Okay, is that acknowledging that, does that make you this sort of evil person who doesn't care? Or is it just a reflection of we we have to have a, a balancing because when you're looking at millions and millions of people who have lost their jobs and the economy cratering, at some point in time, you have to figure out what is the appropriate step. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's take a quick break. We'll give Gru a chance to line up the calls, and we're back to discuss in just a moment. All right, the big headline is President Trump acknowledges that there will be some COVID-19 deaths as the country reopens. Yeah, that's that's just the reality. Is that an argument for not reopening the country, though? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. So ABC's David Muir sits down with President Trump yesterday, and I like David Muir, and, and then they ask him kind of the gotcha question. Well, 
you're, you're in favor of starting to reopen the country. Do you believe that the reality is that lives are going to be lost if we start to reopen the country? And Trump says, will some people be affected? Yes. Will some people be affected badly? Yes. But we have to get the country open and we have to get it open soon. So, yeah, I, I, he, I mean, he acknowledges that it's possible there will be some deaths as state rollback restrictions aimed at stopping the spread of coronavirus. And then, of course, I mean, if, if you look at the Internet, it all explodes here. This is this evil President Trump who, you know, just doesn't value life a- at all. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a number of text. Jeff, people die every day. Heart attack, drug overdose, suicide, auto accidents, etc. He was only telling it like it is. Jeff, every day in this country and around the world, we balance money and lives in everything we do. As we go through this and compare to the lives lost, this might not even be the worst epidemic we've ever gone through, be it driving, skiing, riding motorcycles with helmets, even the recreational use of drugs. Lives are lost every day. And that's one of the texts. Jeff, we need to start reopening this country. The reason why we did what we did was to not overwhelm Wisconsin or any state's health care systems. That hasn't been the case in Wisconsin. We need to reopen and give people their jobs back. Jeff, I watched the interview. I thought it was fun. I thought he was honest and just let us remind everybody that if you're not comfortable going out, you you shouldn't go home. Uh, You shouldn't go out. Jeff, if you're going to die from COVID from us opening up the country in a week from now, you're probably going to die from COVID a couple months from now. I'm sorry to say, but I think it's time for people to end up making their own choices. See, that is one of the things that gets lost in this conversation that, that we've had as this whole discussion has morphed over the last month and a half. The the whole idea behind the massive shutdowns, quarantines, safer at home, etc., was, of course, to flatten the curve, to stop the um, hospital system from being overwhelmed. All right, fair enough. Well, the hospital system has not been overwhelmed. It was never designed to uh, you know, eliminate COVID-19 and, and guarantee that people aren't going to get sick. That, that's just that's not going to happen until we get a treatment and until we get a vaccine, which could be a year off, two years off, four years off, hopefully sooner rather than later. But the, the idea has never been that, gee, we're, we're going to guarantee that this disease has been eliminated. It's been we're going to guarantee we're going to try to make sure that the people who are unfortunate enough to come down with this are able to get some treatment. And we also have to recognize that there's going to be some people who have a bad outcome. You know, that that's the, the whole idea. And this this conversation has kind of morphed over the last several weeks to the notion that, well, well we have to guarantee that nobody's going to get sick. And, and the only way you really guarantee that nobody's going to get sick is, I guess, just nobody has any contact with, with anybody else because there are. There, there are going to be these different outbreaks. One of the things that we have learned, I think, over the last two months, and we, we didn't necessarily know this in the beginning. We might have thought it, but we didn't know it, is that, you know, there are hot spots. You, you've got people, target populations who are particularly vulnerable and need to take special precautions, and people dealing with those target populations need to take special precautions. That's number one. And we have areas where, again, you have these outbreaks. You know, if you look at what's going on in Wisconsin and you look at the numbers that are going up, a lot of that is attributable to, you know, the the meat plants, the the manufacturing setup. Well, that tells us, you know, we've got an issue. These are hot spots, and we we need to have meat. We need to have that processed, but you've got to figure out a way to reduce the exposure that the workers have. So that's got to be a priority. Nursing homes, a huge priority. Um, other businesses, not so much. 
And I guess I, I look at what the president's saying, and to me, it's just th- that reality, unless the question is going to be, gee, are we going to all stay in quarantine until you can guarantee that nobody is going to come down with COVID-19? And, and I don't know how you're ever going to be able to do that because, as we've discussed on this program on multiple occasions in the past, even once they get a vaccine for the thing, there's lots of people who are going to make the decision that they're not going to take the vaccine. So this is going to be something that we have to live with. And if you are in a target population or particularly vulnerable, you're you're going to have to take extra precautions. No question about it. But the flip side is, you know, while you're opening up the state, will there always be some degree of risk? And unfortunately, I think the answer is yes. When we come back, a lot of us over the course of the last couple months have been having a completely different experience when it comes to working. Should that experience continue even after we flatten the curve and start to open up the state and the country? I will explain and we will discuss. Hang around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. So glad to have you with us. All right. There are, during the pandemic, there's really like three groups of people when it comes to the workplace. There are the people who... This has not changed their life at all. And I hear from a number of those people, um, the, the delivery drivers, the folks who are working, you know, stocking the shelves at the grocery stores, the long haul truckers, um, the construction workers who are, you know, out there doing the work. So there's this whole group of people that are considered to be essential workers, and, and they are back, and for them, and I understand that they get frustrated sometimes when they hear these conversations that we have because they're like, hey, my life is absolutely no different at all. I'm, I'm just, I, I mean, I'm out there, I'm going to work, you know, what what is everybody talking about? You know, I'm to the extent that there's a danger to my health, I'm putting my health on the line every day because I, I work at a grocery store, or, you know, I, I work at a hardware store, or I deliver things, Right? So you've got that group of people for whom life is, is no different. Then you have the second group of people who are working, but who are working under different sort of circumstances. And I, I mean, I would fit into this category because, you know, what we did at the radio station is early on, they made the decision, they being our, our management, made the decision that they were going to send everybody home and make arrangements for people to work from home. So as a result, there are there's a skeleton crew that that comes in, you know, every day and and does the the programming as normal from Radio City. But otherwise, all of the the rest of the on air people. I mean, I'm I'm in my upstairs office at my home right now with this little kit that lets me do the, the show. Um, our salespeople, our marketing people, you know, everybody else, they're 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 at home, still working, but but they are at home. And the third group of people are the people who have are out of their jobs whether they've been furloughed or laid off or whether it's just a situation where the business is closed you know waiting for the green light to reopen or waiting till people go out and shop again you know whatever the dynamic is there's that third group of people which in you know that the state of Wisconsin is you know over 300,000 probably closer to pushing half a million people who have, have lost their jobs and are just kind of hanging on so for those people 
I know the vast majority of them, all they want to do is they want the opportunity to get back. They hope that there's a job waiting for them, and they want to get back to work, and they want to start being able to provide for their families instead of, gee, hoping that, gee, once a month I'm going to get 600 bucks, or once a week I'm going to get 600 bucks extra put in my checking account as a result of the, the federal government. I mean, people, I think, want to get back to work. So those are the three categories. Now, as to that middle category, the situation, for example, that I'm in, where, yes, you're continuing to work, but your working environment has changed. And in many cases, the working environment has changed means that people are, are now working from home. They're, they're telecommuting. They're working remotely. Now, I understand there were always people out there that, that worked remotely. That, that's not something that's new. But the number of people who are doing this has increased dramatically. There is a new survey out done by an employment firm, and, and what they did is they, they surveyed a 1,000 people, and they asked people, hey, once the restrictions are lifted, once we get back to whatever the new normal is going to be, once the offices start opening up, to those of you who have been working at home, who've been telecommuting or doing whatever, the question was, would you like to continue doing that? Would you, you know, now that you've had this experience for, well, for me, this is, I think, the seventh week that we've been doing the show remotely. All right. Would you, now that you've had this experience, would you like to continue to do this? Or, you know, do, do, you, do you want to get back? Do you miss it, et cetera? Interestingly, more than about, about three-quarters of the people, 74%, said that um, they would, once this is over, they would prefer to work from home, to telecommute, if not full-time, more often. And interestingly enough, 80% of the people who had kids at home, 80% of the parents said, we would prefer to telecommute. We would prefer if our business would let us do this so that we didn't have to go in or we didn't have to go in as, as often. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's tee this up. If you are one of those people in that category of either maybe you've telecommuted before or in particular now you're, you're working from home, that's just what your new normal has been as a result of you know, what's been going on over the course of the, the last you know, couple months. All right, now that you have had the opportunity to have that experience, once we get back to normal, would you like to continue? Would your preference be to continue to work from home? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you want to get back into the office, or is the way things going now just absolutely fine? And if you've been telecommuting before, how's it been working out for you? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I'm fascinated by this simply because I think... The modern office is going to look a lot different when we come out of this than it did going into it. And I think a lot of our expectations, I, I think, have, have changed, you know, quite a bit. Because I'll tell you, I think that there's, for example, if you would have asked me before this happened, would you have enjoyed doing this? Would you have just absolutely hated not going into a radio studio on a daily basis? My answer would have been, yeah. Well, after seven weeks, there's aspects I miss about not going into the studio, but there's aspects I like 
a bit, quite a bit. So 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, if you've been telecommuting, how is it working out for you, and would you like to continue to have that option? If you're on the line, please hold on. Gru is back at the studio lining up the calls, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Scott on the south side. Scott, good afternoon. Um, good, um, good afternoon, Jeff, and thanks for taking my phone call. Um, sure. Yeah, first and foremost, uh, first and foremost, yeah, with once this is behind us, um, I wouldn't mind working from home more often. Um, and the reason why I just say that is because from a productivity standpoint, um, I find myself being just as productive working from home, if not if not more pro- productive. Um, number mm-hmm. two, whatever, from like a wear and tear in, in, um, on my car and using in, in, in fuel expense. Um, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, I used to fill up my car like once a week. I mean, I yeah. put my car now in three weeks. Whatever, I fill up my car in, in, in three weeks. I mean, so there's, there's that factor. And also the other factor is, like I said, from a eating and eating and nutrition standpoint, when I've been working from home, I've been finding myself whatever making myself what making myself my own meals whatever and eating healthier than than what I was mm-hmm. in the office and probably fourth and, and I'll just say fourth fourth and fourth and foremost whatever is that I get to listen to you on my radio I use your program <laughs> on my radio at home. Well, that's very kind. Hey, let me ask you. I, I, very, I appreciate that very much. Do you think you're as productive working at home as you were when you were actually going into the, the office? Yes, with all I mean, with all the modern communication tools. I mean. We've had, I mean, Microsoft team meetings with no with, with no issues, conference calls with no issues. Um, I, I mean, I have a, I mean, like I said, I sit in my kitchen and do my work, and I look out my back window and have a nice have a nice view of what's all going on around me. So, yeah, from a productivity standpoint, I mean, I find myself just as productive, if not more productive. Which is the key, Scott. Thanks so much for the call, and thank you very much for listening. The kind words, I, I appreciate it. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As a general rule, I mean, I, I, I know what he's talking about. I find myself to be as productive. In, now, there, there's a couple things that, in my job, it, it's awkward, you know, not being in the studio and not having, I don't know, like having, having to do everything remotely is awkward in some ways. But in, in general, you know, they're, they're able to work around it. As far as the productivity goes, the idea of, I mean, I have a commute that's about 20 minutes. It's not very bad. You know, it's, it's, it's hardly a commute. But still, um, that, that's, that's 20 minutes that is just like in the car. Now I, I don't have that 20 minutes. And actually, it's that 20 minutes that I, I spend, you know, even more time doing research or, or whatever. So from a productivity standpoint, it, it actually, it enhances a little bit. Okay. Let's, uh, text 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to the office for me, Jeff. The technology is just not there yet. Conference calls are a train wreck with people talking over each other because of the delays. Well, there, there is, there is that, that element. I mean, you've got the Zoom technology and things, and, and that's getting better, but th- there's no question that's, you know, if you're having, if you're having meetings, in-person meetings, it, it's easier to be in person than it is to try to do it remotely. Uh, Jeff, I'm definitely as productive as I always was. Um, Jeff, your new workplace will be the spare bedroom. I think that that's good. Um, Jeff, my preference moving forward 
would be a mixture of home and office. I've been working from home due to the coronavirus. Um, I, and I think, you know, that's, I think that's going to be the case. And, and what's going to happen is you're going to have businesses that I think are going to look at the experience that they have had over the course of the last couple months and then start to make some assessments as to, gee, you know, all right, but look, it's expensive to maintain large offices. Let's face it, you're paying lots and lots of rent, you're paying lots and lots for equipment and things like that, and I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of businesses that are going to be taking a step back and they're going to be saying, okay, what is the lesson of the last couple months? Have we seen a huge drop-off in productivity? And by the way, there's some... There, there's some businesses that it just doesn't fit well for. I mean, I, you know, we've talked before about teaching, and, and I, I understand that you know we're, we do the best we can with like the video conferencing and things like that. I think almost everybody would agree that you know trying to you know focus and take the classes online, for example, is a poor alternative. There might not be any alternative right now, but it's a poor alternative. Do I see us going permanently to like the, the online teaching? No, I, I don't, because I think that at face-to-face stuff is, is fine. On the other hand, you know, if you're working, you know, you, you go to work and you sit in this cube and you make, you know, you make phone calls and you process these different types of things. You know, my guess is you, you've had a chance to be as productive. Let's talk to Mike in Brookfield. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you Hi, doing? I'm good. What do you think? Are you, are you ready to get back to work or you think uh, working at home is the way of the future? Well, I, you know, for me, I'm one of those the other category. I guess I'm a, a field technician. So we tried to working from home and helping out over the phone and yeah. doing some training in that on, online and some Zoom meetings and whatnot. And it's it's difficult. For me, it's difficult to concentrate. You got the kids around, you got the dog, you got a bunch of distractions. I'm and I'm. It's hard for me to concentrate on things <laughs> sometimes, anyways. And and uh, right. yeah, so I I think it's tough. I mean, it really depends on your situation. But yeah, I I find it tough to uh, to focus on yeah. on things when you've got your house things around you and all that stuff. I know for other other callers, it seems to be the opposite. But for me, I need to get away. I need to get into a a place where I can, where it's a routine right. and a focus, or at least uh, something familiar that's you not know, where I'm relaxing when I get home from work, you know, kind of a thing. Got it. So for me, it's been, it'd be tough. I'm I'm back to work now um, because I work for the bank, so I'm kind of essential. But we were off for a week or so at a time, um, just because we weren't as busy. But now we're we're pretty much back to work. Good enough. Thanks for calling, Mike. I appreciate it. And I'm sure this, and and, and seeing, there's no right or wrong answer here. I mean, it's a very, very individual thing. But I I do think one of the things that's happening is, and I'll be honest, this was an alien concept to me. I mean, I've, I've been at TMJ 22 years. Okay, the experience is you get in your car, you, you know, you, you drive to work. 12 noon starts, you know, you, you walk into the studio, you put on your headphones, you open the microphone, you, you do the radio show. So this has been this kind of different experience for me, and I wasn't sure how it was going to work. And, again, in my industry, for what I do, uh, there there's some drawbacks, but, but candidly, there, there's other stuff that I, I don't mind. So... And I think a lot of people are probably finding that. I, I think maybe for some industries, what the future is going to be is maybe more of, of a mixture. Because, you know, your, your boss is still going to want to see you maybe once or twice a week. But maybe the, those other few days, yeah, they'll, they'll let you be at home if you want, as long as you've demonstrated you've been productive. Holly in Kenosha. Holly, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call again, Dal. Sure. Uh, there are certain jobs that, yes, you do need to physically be at work. But the people that are able to stay at home and work, what's going to happen, Jeff, is that we come into winter. I'm no expert at this, but I we're going to get into we're going to go into winter with this coronavirus. People are going to start to realize, hey, you know what? It ain't bad, McGee. Staying at home instead of having to clean off the car, get in the car, drive down the icy highway, get back. Yeah, yeah they're going to start realizing it's not bad stay, working at home if it is a feasible thing for them in winter. Yeah, no. Th- thanks for call, Holly. I mean, I, I guess that—that's the. I mean, I guess I guess that's sort of the, the question is: Is it really feasible? But I, I think there's probably a lot of people. And again, it depends on what your your setup is. And by the way, I also understand there's lots of jobs that you, you can't work at home for. If you're if you're a plumber, okay, your job is going to other people's homes or you're an HVAC or whatever. I, I mean, I understand all that. But for people who whose job essentially involves you know sitting at a desk and working on a computer etc you can sit at a desk and you can work at a computer pretty much anywhere uh, again assuming that you've got the focus and you've got the accountability um, Richard in Watertown says Jeff why would anyone want to work in a cubicle jungle working from home is the ultimate no closed iron no lunches to make no commute well yeah um, Jeff, I, I assume your choice of business attire doesn't change much in studio versus home. No, for me it doesn't. I, I mean, that's I understand that there's some people who you know don't get out of their pajamas or things like that. What, for my sense of normalcy, I my my routine before I go to work is absolutely the same, and I'm wearing the same clothes now sitting here at my home that I would be if I was at at work. That's that's just what my routine is. Hey, Jeff, um, by working at home, I've been saving lots of money on car. Gas, travel costs, um, et cetera, et cetera. Lunch is out. I, I love it. Jeff, I work a few hours from home and then go into work, and I hate it. My husband has been working from home, and it's chomping at the bit to get back to the office. We both having ha- hate having our house also be our workplace. We like uh, leaving from work. And I guess that that's true. There is that, that separation. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think the wave of the future is going to be more and more people may be given the option to, to work at home. Now, I, again, I, I could see businesses, again, if they've got the same productivity out of their employees, maybe this is a way for businesses to cut down on the rental space and all the equipment. I, I Don't be surprised if there's people that ultimately – Maybe they never thought they could work at home, and now moving forward, they are going to be working home at least for a portion of the time. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There are heroes among us who run towards danger rather than away from it. We call them the first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, General Communications, and the Packing House to honor police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and our loved ones. If you know a first responder who deserves recognition for their duties, go to WTMJ.com. You only have until this Friday, 5 o'clock, to nominate someone. It's Steve Scafidi's Salute to Service on WTMJ. Okay, I have a question. What happened to gas prices? Now, we were talking in the last segment of the program about you know people who are working from home, and, and one of the things that, that I have found, it is one of the unintended consequences, but, but between not having to commute 
and the fact that there's really nowhere to go anymore, I, I just, it's, I would normally fill up my car, fill up the gas tank once a week, probably maybe like three times every two weeks. That, that was kind of it because, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not like driving long distances, but I drive from my house to work and, and back five days a week. You know, we would go, this is the baseball season, so we'd go into Miller Park on a kind of regular basis, be going out and about to restaurants, all those different types of things. I, you don't do any of that in, anymore. So, I mean, my life is pretty much, now there, there are exceptions. We have taken rides where we've, you know, gone out to Pewaukee to see my brother or, you know, my, um, my wife's children and things like that. You know, so we've, we've done that a little bit, but that's, that's the exception rather than the rule. I mean, my life is pretty much around now, it, it, it's confined to a three or four mile radius. I mean, I've got grocery stores and hardware stores and dry cleaners. And yes, occasionally we'll go out and pick up food from restaurants, but they tend to be restaurants within a couple mile radius. The bottom line is, I think I'm down to about a third of a tank of gas, but I think it was 10 days ago that I last filled up the car with, with gas. So, I, like I say, that that is an abnormally long time, but it's just the fact that I, I don't drive that much anymore because there's really like not that many places to go. When I last filled up the car, um, it was at a Costco uh, a week ago Saturday, and the Costco gas was a dollar fifteen cents a gallon and I remember thinking about it, and I know there's been places around here where it's been below below a buck but it was like a buck fifteen a gallon and I remember thinking I didn't think I was ever going to see this in my lifetime that the chances of me having to pay six dollars a gallon for gas I thought would have been a lot greater than me having the opportunity to pay a dollar and fifteen cents and I, I filled I filled the tank up and it was it was less than like fourteen dollars it was just and the, the car was pretty much empty so I'm thinking wow you know a dollar fifteen all right well I guess all good things come to an end because as I've been driving around again in the immediate area where my my you know world centers right now, um, the gas that I see is pretty typically the cheapest I think that I have seen in the last day has been a, about a buck forty, but more gas stations in the area where I drive more gas stations have it at either a dollar forty nine or a dollar fifty nine. Then they do have it at buck forty. Buck forty is the cheapest I found. I'm sure there, there's some places that might be cheaper. I see the average price for regular unleaded gasoline in Wisconsin, dollar fifty nine a, a gallon. So you've seen over the course of the last week or two a, a pretty dramatic increase in gas prices, going from buck fifteen, buck nineteen, a buck twenty. You know, up to you know a dollar fifty or more. And a lot of the experts, they say that they think it's going to do nothing but climb. Now, I acknowledge that that $1.15 or $1.20 might be artificially low, but I don't know. I understand that, you know, we're starting to get out and about a little bit more, and I understand there's a little bit more driving. But to explain this all based on, well, there, there's just more demand as we start to loosen up the quarantine restrictions, I, I'm not sure that that necessarily makes any sense at all. So, again, it's one of these variables uh, of gasoline prices. But I wanted to spend just one segment on this, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have the low gas prices encouraged you to want to drive more because, again, it's so very cheap. 
or is it just the fact that there's been nowhere to go, like, like me? Like I say, my, my, my world is like a five- or six-mile radius with a couple exceptions, so I'm just I'm not going anywhere, so I'm using less gasoline. And so I guess my, my concern is I've really I've missed that window. <laughs> I've missed that window where you could get the $1.15 gasoline because I, I think it's going, and my guess is it's going to more likely go up to 2 bucks a gallon, which is still a lot better than 4 bucks, but it's more likely going to go up to 2 bucks a gallon than it is to go back down to that dollar fifteen I paid a week ago Saturday. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's um tell you what, let me take a very quick break. We'll give Gru a chance to line up the calls and then we'll be back to discuss. All right, this this little hit with gas prices where they dropped to lows that I never thought I would see in my lifetime looks like it might be over. How has this all affected your driving? Um, $1.50 a gallon, still a bargain. Back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I honestly don't remember the last time I saw gasoline prices at $1.20. I'm not sure... I mean, when I first started driving before the Arab oil embargo, it, it was it was cheap, um, very, very cheap. But after the Arab oil embargo, it went up. And I don't know that it's – I'm not sure that I can remember it being this cheap ever. Um, Dusty in Hales Corners. Dusty, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call, Donald. Yes, sir. What do you think? Uh, yeah, driving is a lot of fun again. Gas prices are cheap. And on the weekends, it's something to do. We take the dog with us and we go sightseeing. And the roads are a lot less congested with all the non-essentials staying home. <laughs> well, that's that, you know that that is the other thing. I, I was saying this yesterday. I hope, I, I to the extent that you know we, we've got road construction that needs to be done. I, I'm hoping that uh, a lot of the workers who are considered to be essential, I hope they've been using this as an opportunity to get it done when when there, there's absolutely nobody on the road. I told the story. My um, my my son-in-law, it was his birthday on Monday's Wednesday, Monday, and so they live out in Pewaukee, and so after the show, we, we drove out, take him a cake and things like that, and um, it was one of these amazing experiences going through the Marquette Interchange and on the freeway at 4 o'clock. Normally, you know, you could expect that you'd be hitting all sorts of traffic and all that stuff. We, we just flew by, so that was one of the... Uh, one of the good things about the fact that not a lot of people are out on the roads, which isn't to say that I'm not ready to get back to normal ASAP. Dave in Pewaukee. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, have you been enjoying the low gas prices, and what the heck happened to them? So I think I got everybody beat on those gas prices, too. I actually got premium gas. I used that. My wife's in my pick-and-save cards. It gave us a, another dollar off each. I paid twenty seven ninety seven the other day for thirty five gallons. That was premium gas. I also wow. paid for 30, 35 gallons of regular gas ten ten point nine cents a gallon. I paid three dollars and eighty two cents for thirty five of that. I literally have paid thirty two bucks for seventy gallons of gas. Here's the here's the thing. I run a lawn care business on the side. I literally was doing the math on should I invest in a couple more gas cans at one point, and I did. That was one thing I would have normally not done without these gas prices. The other thing I did is haul seven truckloads of stuff 17 miles down from Hartford to our place in Waukesha. I figured I got the time. I've got less hours in at work, and gas is so cheap. I never would have made a choice to, to 
make that trip right. like that, seven trips like that. So, well, enjoy it while yeah, enjoy it while it lasts because I'm not sure how long it's going to be, and it's already they're moving in an opposite direction. Like I say, around here, I, I'm I'm seeing 149 to 159. So I, I think that that, that we might have just had that moment, but I'm glad you were able to take advantage of that moment. That's okay. I'm on full right now. I'm good. <laughs> there you go. Thank, thanks for the call, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, one of the things that, that's going on, and, of course, you know, we, we went through the thing a couple weeks ago where there was the you know, oil prices were, like, like negative, and people were saying, okay, what does that mean? Well, you know, the crude oil prices – do they have a relationship to the cost of gasoline? Yes, but is it direct? No, because you really want to look at refineries and all. And I, I think what, what's going on is is right now refineries are scaling back production because there, there's such a supply that's out there. So, I mean, my guess is that given the fact that I think the refineries are, are scaling back production a bit and given the fact that the trend is certainly to relax these restrictions we've had, which means more people are going to be driving. That That's just the reality that's going to happen. So my guess is that that thing that we saw a couple of weeks ago where you had the opportunity to get gas for less than a buck if you had that chance or for $1.15 or, or whatever, my guess is th- those days are probably gone. Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, hey, my thoughts are... Uh what happened to this oil glut that just dissipated in two weeks? I bought gas two weeks ago for 99 cents. I'm uh, considered an essential employee, and I work part-time, so I'm on the road. I don't see twice as many businesses open. I don't see any more cars on the road. I'm just wondering what happened, and the refinery thing makes sense, but what happened to the oil yeah. glut? Yeah, well, no, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. I think, there's still, I think there is still an oil glut. I have to, I mean, the, the price of, of oil isn't as low as it was but it's still I, I think pretty darn low i could i have i got it on my computer screen here i could pull it up in just a minute i, I think it's still low but again the the oil prices the the price of crude oil isn't the the operative indicator that you look at for gasoline prices it, it's the refinery type of stuff and 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 i think you know we, we did have the, this blip a couple weeks ago, and again, the irony is you get all-time record low gas prices or lowest gas prices in a generation or two, and what's the effect? Well, there, there's nowhere to drive. There's nothing to do. Okay, let me go through the text. Jeff, um, West Dallas, $1.79 this morning, up $0.10 cents daily um, per gallon the last couple days. Huh. Jeff, gas in Pleasant Prairie went from a buck four to a buck eighty nine. I drive sixty two miles round trip for work, so I got two fill ups before it went back up. Um, Jeff, I don't know when you looked at gas prices recently, but yesterday dollar fifty nine at the quick trip in Racine. Jeff, I got eighty nine eighty nine cents a gallon two weeks ago. At that time I filled all my vehicles, my yard equipment and spare cans. It was nice while it lasted. Um Jeff, um, I have only been driving. I have only been driving to work. Nowhere to go. I have not been driving more. However, we had a low of ninety-five cents. So what a savings! I'm in Kiwana. Now it's up to a dollar twenty-nine. Jeff, prices are temporarily going up because of the switch to the summer blend. Expect a drop again in the next two weeks. Then a gradual increase. Right. That you know, if you're in one of the the, the targeted zones like you are in southeastern Wisconsin, you've got to use a special summer blend of gasoline that now that had been put on hold at least for a while at least that's the last i, I saw I, I just 
I guess it was just artificially low. Gas is going up all over the country. But in part of that is demand is going up as well. I mean, that's kind of the the reality. Jeff, it was under 97 cents in Fort Atkinson. Now it's up to a dollar thirty. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, I just went to visit my mother in Ohio. I only spent seven bucks on gas to get there. On the way back, I'm probably going to have to spend 13. Um, uh, let's see. Current price downtown. You always pay more downtown. Uh, somebody says a dollar ninety nine. Dollar ninety nine downtown. Um, hmm. Jeff, dollar eighty four at the quick trip in New Berlin. That's high. Maybe investors are buying lots of oil at a bargain. Again, it's it's not really the it's not the oil; it's the it's the it's the refineries that you look at. Jeff, quick trip, Grandview Boulevard, Waukesha, a dollar seventy four. Jeff is a food delivery driver. Gas prices have been a godsend. Um, yeah, you certainly got that there, Jeff. I paid eighty nine cents a gallon two weeks ago for gas. Yesterday, dollar seventy four, ninety cents in two weeks. Um, Jeff, a week ago, this is what our caller was talking about, I used my Pick and Save Perks card, paid $0.69 a gallon, filled up for $7. You know, the the other thing that that struck me, when I first started driving, and I understand that this makes me sound like a dinosaur, but it's it's kind of the reality. It, It used to be that all gas stations, or almost all gas stations, were what they call full-service gas stations. You did not pump your own gas. You pull in up to the pump, somebody comes out. You roll down the window, you say, fill her up. They fill up your gas. They check your oil. They wipe your windows. Um, I can even remember when I was a kid, now this is before I was driving, they used to have like these SNH green stamps that they'd give you, and you'd get box, books and books and books of green stamps. I, I remember all that. I mean, now, I, are there full-service gas stations? around well yeah but you really got to look to find them and you pay a huge premium for that so the, the world is changing but just for one brief moment one brief moment you know we were we had gone you know we had returned to the past and now looks like we're going back to the future when it comes to gas prices hope you were able to enjoy it while it lasted back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner And this is Jeff Wagner. All right, one of the big political stories, and I understand politics is kind of on the back burner now, but of course you've got the whole question about, you know, whether Joe Biden 27 years ago molested this woman who was one of his aides. And there's no reports from other women that, that he had done anything similar. There's always the reports of Joe Biden being one of these kind of touchy feely guys. And, but I mean, these allegations are something different that it, He's accused of pushing this woman up against a file cabinet and then sticking his hand up her skirt. You know, I mean, it's if it happened, it's just absolutely reprehensible. But there's there's clear questions as to whether her there's all sorts of reasons why you would not view her as being a particularly credible person. But the bottom line is that there was no contemporaneous investigation. There's nobody who's out there who claimed to have witnessed this. So you, you've ultimately got the, the ultimate he said, she said. I bring this up because there, there's a new poll out by Monmouth College, and, and they ask people, do you think these allegations are true or do you think they're untrue? And among all voters, 37% say they're probably true. say they're probably not true. 31% don't know. Democrats, 20% say they're probably true. 55% say they're probably not true. 26% don't know. And Republicans, 50% say they're probably true. 17% say they're probably not true. 33% don't know. 
I, I guess I, I look at this, and my only question to everybody would be, how can you give any answer other than you don't know? I mean, I, you know, how, how can you've got, you know, it's a he said, she said thing from almost three decades ago. There, there's nothing corroborating what she says, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. I, I guess I just kind of look at this, and maybe it's the former prosecutor in me that comes out, and I look at this, and if you ask me, you know, do I think it's probably true or probably not true, or don't I know, the only answer I think that you can give is, I don't know. You know, we we weren't in that room. We we don't know. There's no contemporaneous witnesses. There's no recordings. There's there's no tapes. We just flat out don't know. But yet, I don't know. Fifty percent of Republicans say they're true. Twenty percent of Democrats say they're true. I how can you give any other answer than to say we don't know? Back with more in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. So very glad to have you with us. You know, I was listening to the the newscast, and, and Greg Matzik during the sports was talking about how the German Professional Soccer League, the Bundesliga, was uh, they they had come up with this plan that they're going to figure out a way to to play, which is would make them one of the first major leagues to do that. It's it's interesting because. I've become a soccer fan over the years, but the way they have like European soccer set up is is different than in the United States. For example, the, the Premier England, you know, has the, the the there are different leagues, and you have the top league, which is the Premier League, and there's 20 teams in that. Now, unlike professional sports in the United States, where you've got Okay, you've got the major league baseball teams. You've got 30 major league baseball teams, and then you've got the minor leagues. Well, the, the major league baseball teams are the same every every year unless a team moves. Um, but that's not the way it works in, in soccer. For example, in England, you, you might have they, – they've got – a number of different leagues. You've got the Premier League, which is the top 20 teams, and then you've got the Championship League, which is below that, and there's 23 teams, I think, in that, and then there's um, then there's League One below that, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got these different leagues. And unlike, for example, Major League Baseball, where the, the Major League Baseball teams are the same every year, the way it works in the Premier League is the bottom three teams, the lowest teams out of the, the 20, they get what's called relegated. They get dropped down to the lower league. And the top three teams in that, that championship league, they get brought up. So, I mean, you know, you don't have tanking, quote-unquote tanking going on. You don't have teams that have an incentive to lose at the end of the season so they can get a higher draft pick or whatever. No, I mean, all, all the games matter because there is a huge financial difference. We're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars or pounds or euros or whatever. The difference between being in the top league, the Premier League, and the second league. And just like there's a huge difference between being in the second league versus the third tier league. So there's this incentive to, to do your best and to try to win because you want to avoid being what they call relegated, drop down. Okay, so here's Here's the problem that the Premier League has, and there's a big story of this in the Wall Street Journal today. All right, they, they've they've got another 10 games left in their season. All right, so the question is, 
you know what happens apparently the the, the bottom the, the top teams well they want to figure out a way to go back let's 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 continue to play because we'll get the TV revenues we'll get the whole season done let let's figure out a way we can do it and you know we'll be playing in empty stadiums or maybe we have to play at neutral fields or whatever but the top teams they they want to finish the season they they want to collect the TV revenues etc the bottom six teams the ones who are closest to relegation they want no part of rejoining the season because you know they they're afraid that hey what what's going to happen is you know we finish the season and, and maybe you know we're going to be one of those bottom three teams and, and gets get relegated so the the bottom teams what they're arguing is no we we should we should suspend the season right now but we shouldn't relegate anybody. We should just say well, next year is going to be a complete do-over. And of course, that creates a mess because you've got the top teams in the bottom, in the, in the second-tier league. They want to move up into those spaces. So it, it's this real interesting dynamic about how you have some teams that want to play, and you've got other teams that don't want to play because if they play and they lose, it's going to cost them millions and millions of dollars. Now, this isn't something that happens in the United States. Like I say, for for Major League Baseball, they're there's all sorts of details that you have to work out, but there's an incentive. There's billions of dollars on the line, and you know the all the teams want to figure out a way to play. All the players, you know, want to figure out a way to play. So everybody's united. Soccer in Europe, you've got a lot of teams who are like, eh, let's just call off the season right now. Let's just declare a do-over for next year because we don't want to take the risk that suddenly we could get relegated and cost ourselves all the money. How this turns out, I, I don't know. We are definitely in uncharted territory. All right, speaking of uncharted territory, the Supreme Court still has not issued its ruling. I could be wrong. Like I say frequently, you can go broke trying to guess what courts are going to do. My guess, though, is that the Supreme Court is going to strike down the governor's unlimited authority to put safer at home in place permanently. My guess is the ruling, when it comes out, whether it's today or tomorrow or Friday or, or whenever, when the ruling comes out, my guess is the court is going to find that the governor's authority to implement safer at home expires next week on the 12th or 13th, whatever the, the date would, would be, and that to move forward with restrictions is going to have to be through rulemaking, which means that you've got to work with the legislature because the legislature gets the ability to approve the rules. So that's what my guess is. That, and this is going to force the parties to get together and to come up with something. It's very, very clear that the Republicans in the legislature want to start opening up the state at a faster pace than the governor has, has been doing. The governor has been, I think, very, very slow, we could use the word cautious. You know, we're not going to judge this one way or the other. But he's been very, very cautious and, and slow in opening up the, the state. And it's been a little bit haphazard at times. I mean, one day it's, okay, well, we're going to open up the golf courses, but you have to have walking carts. You can't have, you know, riding carts. And then the next day it's been, well, we'll let riding carts for people who have disabilities. And then three days later it's, okay, we're going to let you have riding carts, but you can't go into the pro shop. So it's been, that's just an example of it's been kind of, sort of hit and miss about that. Well, yesterday, the Milwaukee Metropolitan Area Chamber of Commerce, the Association of Commerce, is what they technically call themselves, MMAC, which has been supportive thus far of, of the governor's safer-at-home orders. 
they came out with a plan saying, look, we need a phased-in, smart restart for the state's economy, and we think that it should go into effect uh, next week, May 11th, which, by the way, would be Monday. And they're talking about how, look, we, we want to do this regionally. We think that we can do this in a safe fashion, and, and we can think we can get people back to work. Now, one of the questions is, well, gee, you, you supported this in this business group. You supported this, you know, when it was first put into place, you know, what, what's happened since then. And what the business group says is, well, the, one of the reasons we supported this was because we wanted to make sure that the hospital systems weren't overwhelmed. That was the whole goal originally, the flatten the curve thing, not let the hospital systems get overwhelmed. And, and what they ended up saying is that that hasn't happened. You know, we, we've got hospital capacity right now to, you know, deal with the COVID cases. And even if there is a surge, we're still going to have hospital capacity. So a, a lot of these concerns that we might have had four weeks ago or, or six weeks ago, we, we've gotten past that point. And so now it's time for their phrase is smart restart. Robin Voss is talking about something I've been talking about for weeks, uh, doing what a lot of governors are doing, which is looking at a regional restart, recognizing that there are large areas of this state where there is little or no instances of COVID-19. That's just the reality. And if you look at where most of the COVID-19 numbers come from, it's from meatpacking facilities in Brown County, Kenosha County, Milwaukee County, and uh, Racine County to lesser extents, and you know nursing homes and jails. You know, that, that's that's where you're seeing the the numbers. When you see the, these big spikes in numbers, it, it's not the population in general, unless you're you know in one of these different areas. So MMAC is talking about a smart restart and starting that process as soon as next Monday. All right, let's open up the phone lines. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? Is it possible to do a smart restart? Or is that is that just an oxymoron? Is that something that's absolutely impossible, that as long as we've got COVID-19 outbreaks in meat plants in Brown County or in jails in Milwaukee County, are we at a point where we simply cannot start restarting the economy? Um, is there any such thing as a smart restart? Or is that just, is, is that just a, a catchy phrase along the line of the Badger bounce back? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can we do a smart restart and is Monday too soon? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. MMAC saying smart restart. That is their phrase. As soon as next Monday, is that possible joanne and richfield joanne you're first good afternoon hi how are you real well thank you what do you think um my concern is is that you do this smart restart what happens when people from southeastern wisconsin who have summer homes up in the northern wisconsin area mid wisconsin area start going up there 
do you think they'll be spreading the virus to the middle of the state now? Well, okay, first of all, I mean, I guess I'd have two answers. First of all, there's nothing that stops people from doing that now. I mean, if I had a second place in Door County. Yes and no. Um, I have a place up in the Eagle River area, and I've been asked not to come up there. And I've had numerous people that I know have places that they ask you, please stay in your your southeastern Wisconsin area. Right, but if you want to go, you can go. You're not going to be arrested. There's nothing that stops no, you from doing no. that. I you know, I mean, so, I mean, it, is a, it, it is a safe at-home order. You're supposed to really be staying home. You're not supposed to be traveling around. Well, but of course, you're not, you'd be going up to your, you'd be moving, you'd be going to your cottage. I mean, I guess I, I, I mean, for the people that that have that, I guess my my first point would be you, you can do that now if if you choose. And I guess secondly. You're right, if you choose. I mean, and secondly, I guess, I, I mean, it, it's not like everybody in Milwaukee County or you're, you're in Richfield. So, I mean, it's not like everybody in, in Waukesha County or Waukesha County or Ozaki County is in, infected. So, I mean, I, I don't, as long as you're going to practice social distancing and, and wash your hands, do you think that there's really that much of a risk that you're going to have, you know, people who are going to, bring this this virus and all of a sudden you're going to have an outbreak outbreak in eagle river or wherever um yes and no i mean i guess i just don't understand people just don't want to be safe i mean why wouldn't you want to be safe and take care of your human man knowing that this virus can spread like wildfire well i guess the question Unless, is how I I I, well, I mean, my question my to you point. would be no my question to you would be what, why, why do you automatically assume that it makes it safer if you decide that you're going to stay here as opposed to going to Eagle River? I mean, why, I, I guess... You're, th- you're, you're, you're following the safe order by staying home. I'm not going out. I'm following the order. I'm not, I, I go to my grocery store, I order things. Right. By going out, start opening up, and you can open things, but I've yet to hear anyone how to open it safely. That's my thing. Okay, how but- are they opening it safely? Well, but but we've got all this stuff that's open now, and we assume that it's safe. I mean, I guess my question would be, why do we, if we, if if I own a little luggage store in Eagle River, and you let me open up that luggage store, why has that made things any more dangerous than the fact that I went past a, a fleet farm the other day, and there had to be 500 cars in the parking lot of the fleet farm? I mean, is it really more dangerous to open up Jeff's luggage store in Eagle River? Have we really increased the risk? I don't agree with the people going to farmers ladies either. So no, no, fair, no. Okay, fair enough. No, th- thanks for calling, and I, I appreciate. It. I guess that's that, that's uh, this is kind of the point that I I have been making. I look, I understand that this idea of of. You, you want to go avoid getting together in, in large groups. So am I arguing that you should have like 75,000 people at Lambeau Field next week? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. But at the same time, I guess if I, if I feel comfortable going across the street to the grocery store, and, and I do, and again, you practice social distancing. I'm not one of these guys saying that you, you throw that all out the window. I mean, I don't want people getting close to me, and I, I carry my hands sanitizer, and I wash my hands and all that type of stuff after that. But as long as you're practicing those sort of things, are you really making the world more dangerous by, is it more dangerous that you've gone to the luggage store, that you've gone to pick up, you know, a food, or you've gone out to the golf course? Now, and again, the other thing is for people who who are at targeted risk groups or who just, you know, want to be 
absolutely safe to the extent you can do that, then you stay at home. I mean, and, and nobody nobody's going to hold a gun to your head and say, hey, you have to go out and you have to um, you, you have to you have to go to the luggage store or you have to do that. It's just a question of what what is practical and what is reasonable. And I, I guess I look at this. And especially given the fact that large chunks of the state have little or no coronavirus. And I guess to me it's tough to say, how do you keep Main Street in Chippewa Falls closed down on the premise that, gee, a couple people who live in Kenosha where, okay, maybe there's a higher incidence of this, that they're going to drive to Chippewa Falls to go to the bowling alley. I just don't think that that's real. Are people mobile? Yes, absolutely. Might people go to their summer cottages? Yes, they they, they will. But but they're going to be out there doing that anyways. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, let's see. Considering the healthcare execs who are on board with the MMAC plan should tell us something, right? And that's and, and that's why their their approach is: look, we we have the hospital beds right now. You know, we, we haven't. And this is it's a good thing. It, it, it's a good thing. We we built we built that overflow area in uh, at at State Fair Park that's out there where you've got all those hospital beds, we, we, we haven't used it, and we're probably not going to use it. We haven't come close to exceeding hospital capacity because of COVID-19. As a matter of fact, you know, they're now starting to say, okay, all these spaces that we set aside for this to be safe, we don't need these. And so now we're starting to open up places for elective surgery and things like that, starting to get back to normal. And, and that, that's all a good thing. But, you know, we, we two months ago, we were concerned that, oh, my gosh, you know, if we don't do all this stuff, we're going to see 20,000 cases or something like that. And, and, and we're going to see them in the space of like 10 days. And it hasn't happened. You know, it, it, it hasn't happened. And I think part of that is because whether you have a shelter in place or a safer at home order, I think a lot of us are, are much more cautious and much more careful. And we're going to be that way, you know, moving forward. But for people who don't think we can move open regionally because, gee, the folks from Kenosha might drive up to Chippewa Falls and, and infect people, well, you've got lots and lots of people in, in Kenosha who are, are not infected, who are, you know, practicing, you know, the social distancing and they're doing fine. But, you know, how far do you carry that? Do we say, okay, we're not going to allow Janesville where there, there's not a high instances of, of COVID-19. We're not going to allow that to open up because, gee, people can drive from Chicago. Or we're not going to allow stores in Lake Geneva to open up because people could come up from Chicago. I mean, at some point in time, we are, it's true, a mobile society. But but how long on the on the premise and the possibility that you might have people traveling in, in, and again, the other thing is, if you do have the, these outbreaks, like the, the outbreak at the meat plant in, in Brown County, which has created an issue, well, okay, that, that tells you, all right, we've got to figure out what's going on at the meat plant. We've got to do the COVID. We've got to do the contract tracing, figure out who those people you know, ran into. But, but then you, you concentrate on, on that area. And if it does turn out that there's all sorts of people who have the infection who decide on Saturday that they're driving out to Chippewa Falls to go to the bowling alley, and all of a sudden you have an outbreak at Chippewa Falls, okay, well, then then you know maybe you need to concentrate on that bowling alley and figure out how that all happened. I, I just To me, I guess, I think you can have a smart restart and you have to start thinking about that and for people like our caller Joanne who I respect her opinion and who aren't comfortable going out 
my response is don't go out. And, and that, that's, you know, that's the ultimate way. And, and again, we know that there are certain people in certain different risk groups based on age or underlying conditions for whom COVID-19 is much more likely to be serious, maybe even fatal. And if you're in one of those risk groups, I, I certainly appreciate why, hey, maybe for the next year and a half, you want to shelter at home. I understand that. I respect it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that should apply to everybody. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.